Thank you for tuning in to the NES experience. We are here not live. We are here in Cheshire, Connecticut. Dante is conveniently located in where in New York? Uh, around Albany. Let's oh. just say. Doesn't want to give his full-blown location. Can't, can't uh, disclose, undisclosed location. Undisclosed location. Uh, anyways, we are back. Um, I'd like to open up with a mildly entertaining story. It's work-related. Dante, are you down with hearing my story? I'm down with hearing the story. I just don't think you could say it's mildly entertaining. I don't. You can't set expectations. Well, we'll find out. So uh, I go to Lexi a couple days ago, and I said, Lexi, do you think I'm doing a good job as a parent? And she said, yeah, you're doing an okay job. Uh, the only problem is you don't keep your promises. So I was like, all right, well, what did I, what do I not keep promises about? And it was some nonsense about going to the dollar store, I believe, because they want to go to the dollar store every day because they think it's the coolest place ever. And really it's just a dumpster fire anyway. So I was like, all right, well, I don't want you walking around thinking that. So I'm like, what can I do to make it up to you to have you never say that I don't keep promises again? She's like, paint your fingernails. I'm like, all right. So can we go with like a clear coat? Cause this is not the first time this happened. And then she's like, you can pick between four different colors, including hot pink, uh, lime green, um, bright red. And I don't know, I'm colorblind on the fourth one. So, oh, Carolina blue. I hate Carolina blue. Oh, Carolina blue is a great color. Right. So I opted to go with hot pink. And then once she puts that on, uh, she's like, okay, you have to have sparkle. So I had to add silver sparkle. And then she's like, we really got to lock it in. So we have to put this stuff on top to make it so it doesn't go away. I'm like, great. So we pop that on. So I go to work. Now, at this point in time, I've gone into NES, you know, a handful of times with my fingernails painted. So you would think that people would just be like, ah, Lexi and Mila, but not the case. So I got the standard, why, are your, why do you have pink nails with silver glitter on them? I don't know, bored. So we go through this whole thing. So I have a tour yesterday, and it was, it was a high school football player. And uh, I mean, at this point in time, I didn't, I don't, I just kind of do my thing, like, and move on anyway so i went through the whole tour process and uh we got an update he was a referral from one of my college baseball players and i was like what did he say how'd it go and he said uh yeah he said that he enjoyed the session a lot and that he learned a lot he was like but he thinks you're gay because <laughs> you have pink fingers nails with silver sparkle and you were holding a starbucks pink drink so I guess when I walked in, the first thing he saw was my pink fingernails with sparkles and my Starbucks uh, strawberry, uh, whatever, refresher. So that's not cool. So if he doesn't sign up, I guess that would mean something uh, or not. But that was, I'm like, so I said to the, the baseball player, I'm like, can you tell him about the seven to nine year old girls thing? And he was like, yeah, 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 we're good, we're good. I'm like, okay. So. Yeah, so. I mean, 
he also might have just thought that you were color coordinating with your drink, you know, pink nails, pink drink. You know, you're just the pink kind of guy. Yeah, I should have been holding Cinny. That would have really topped off the whole uh, the whole thing. But anyways, so we have big news by the time this airs. Uh, our boy Q1 of Q1 and Q2. Uh, he is going to Northwestern. He is dropping his commitment tonight. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. He was somebody that committed to the process, trusted, you know, everything the whole way through, killed his combine season. Just to give you some stats, I am telling you this because I project who's people that, that can be in the NFL, and he's one of the very few people that can. But at 220 pounds, he runs a 4.44 with a 10.6 broad, a 36 inch vert. Uh, and has uh he's six three creeping on six four with a six seven wingspan. So um already at those numbers he's not far off, you know, NFL combine numbers. So it's awesome to see somebody who two years ago or two and a half years ago he wasn't even playing football and he was able to get into Hamden Hall and we got seven months in the off season. He transformed himself and now he gets Northwestern sixty eight thousand dollars a year, so that is uh, that's about a three hundred thousand dollar scholarship, and that is awesome. For sure, Big Ten's really you know expanding as well, so there's going to be a lot of great competition that's just added to great competition too. So, yeah, when we were in the process of trying to figure out where to go, he wanted a good academic school. He had offers from IU. Boo, IU, boo. Boo. Uh, but no, we loved IU at the time because they were the first P5 school to offer him. And UConn, but other than that, it was every Ivy in the book. But he, you know, he was he was between Yale and Northwestern because academics were important, but he didn't have the Northwestern offer until about a week ago. And then when it came in, he sent me a video and he was like, Laker Blue looks good on me. I'm like, that's good because it doesn't look good on me. Uh, but I don't have to wear it. But I get to watch it. So it's the perfect blend. He wants to be a dentist. Um, so he'll probably go there and major in biology. They're the n- number nine university in the United States. So life is good to be the Qs. Q2 might be getting a Penn State offer soon. So they're, they're another great Big Ten school. That's, uh, that's huge. Um, so part of the reason why... These guys are getting all of these snazzy offers is because they were able to peak at the right time. So it just happens to be the topic that we're going to be going over today on the podcast, which is, uh, you know, how to peak at the right time. What we find is people are doing too much and their performance is decreasing. I see it um, seasonally with Hamden Hall, certain kids on the team. Like I've seen kids go down three to four tenths of a second. I see kids that are hurt all the time and to actually get slower year by year. That's a pretty hard thing to do unless you're pounding racks of Oreos and completely abusing yourself. And the craziest thing about it is these kids are like super motivated. They do too much. So um, what I want to break down is, you know, within the 30 days, you know, you have a 30 day training cycle. It's called a mesocycle. Uh, If you're looking at periodization, which I'm going to talk about, um, I want to go into the days 
or the weeks, the microcycles, the weekly microcycles, and and kind of break down the fact of we need to start to monitor load and intensity and backing people off. Um, so we actually peak at the right time and run the four three eights and the four four fours, or if it's baseball throwing, you know, your PRs in front of the scouts and during the time when you're supposed to, as opposed to being a velo hero in December. And then when you're out there in July, August, you're shit in the bed because you're overtrained and your body's shutting down because you're not doing it the right way. But when we were going over the topic or trying to think of a topic, what I ended up doing was I screen recorded a conversation between me and Dickie, Dickie of who's pitching. And we go over typically for the day, he does the remote training at Hops. Shout out to Hops. Um, we go over the remote training and the program in the morning. And right now for our baseball program, if you're looking at baseball, yes, we have high school, college, and pro, but everybody kind of starts at the round the same time and leaves at the same time. So, you know, pro baseball, they have to be ramped up first and then college baseball right after that. And then high school um, is the farthest back. But when I'm writing the program, generally everybody that's not doing, they have, they can control their, the things that are going on externally from a physical activity perspective they're all that we were in mid middle of the second week of the training cycle. That is usually when we see that we are our strongest and most powerful. It's when we do the measured throws. So, you know, he was, I was switched up the program because part of my whole block of training is college baseball in season with Southern Connecticut state university, Fairfield university. I have local kids that are training in house. They do the challenges What's your take on the challenges? You know what I'm talking about. The team building bullshit, you know, you, where you put a log over your face and hold it up with your legs dangling over the water of a pond for like 15 minutes. I was I was describing a Yukon one. But uh, what do you think about those? Yeah, I, uh, I definitely have some gripes with my strength and conditioning, you know, college coach. Uh, one thing I will say is we never did any stupid challenges like that. So the whole concept's kind of foreign to me. Uh, closest thing I know is like we had mental toughness days for football practice where we just like run and hit sleds and do like, you know, those like three man thing where you like one person jumps and the other person jumps over him and then another guy. Log jumps. rolls. Yeah, log rolls. Um, yeah. You know, but to me, they're kind of pointless. So. That I mean, the most we did is we would play handball before we lifted to do like a little like warm up or whatever, and that was like fun. So fun, but using a full blown activity to warm up is a good way to get injured. So they do these challenges. I mean, look, I get it. Like I watched it. I just watched a video on one. It was like Duke or something. And uh, the problem is, I part of me likes it because I like the competitiveness of it. But it's like, it's all about how you build it and what you do. And the the problem that I have is some of this stuff is just dangerous. So just don't do that. Or pick your spots. And some of the stuff that people one rep max and you shouldn't. I mean, the ones were like, you know, you're golfing. And there's like creative stuff that you could do. Like I saw one where two guys, it was how long does it take you to put 225 on a bar with two clips and run and touch the finish line? Like, be more creative and don't make it always a, a challenge of, you know, 
can I blow my discs out? With that being said, um, you know, my high school and pro guys, because they weren't going through this process, they felt the way that they generally generally should feel within the week. But the college guys were basically blasted and overtrained because doing things like that put a lot of stress on the body, which then make you overtrained. And then if you don't get out of it, you start to plateau, peak, get hurt, and that delays your peaking and the amount of results, um, you know, that you can get with your training. So I, I had to change the programming for them, and then we we kind of veer off pattern to try and get everybody back on pattern. So um, when we were talking about her, when I sent it to you, I was like, and then just more instances that day, that week, and it just piled up and I was like, I want to talk about this because um, it's annoying and people just need to relax and stop trying to be heroes and be, it's just people overdo it. Everybody wants to lift heavy every day. Everybody wants to throw hard every day. Everybody wants to hit hard. I mean, stop. Can we just chill out? It's the off season. We're supposed to be excited. We want to ring. Hamlet Hall won a ring, by the way. Did I tell you that? Did we go over that? You did tell me that. Uh, sometimes it gets difficult because I don't know. We've gone over Hamden Hall winning a lot of rings on this podcast. Uh, so not sure if we went over the most recent one, but you did tell me, at least in private. So I do know. Okay. Um, so basically we... It happens a lot in college training and conditioning where people are just, they're being, they're being overworked. And then something like a download, I'm sure you had downloads in college are becoming more, more common, but they, they don't do a real good job with them. They'll replace it with like super unsafe, high levels of conditioning or something else. And there's not a lot of restorative recovery stuff that's doing to speed up the process or they're ignored. They're just kind of not doing a good job and it's really not that hard. So that specific day we were measuring rotational powers, one of our main for our pitchers. Um, we have a couple different uh, rotational power exercises that we use a radar gun to measure. Instead of doing that, we switched to, to a lower hip body rotation, something that's less neural, less taxing on the body. Um, and just making a simple adjustment like that within a weight room is an easy way to not overdo it. So if I had them throw, the numbers weren't going to be good anyways, because the signs and symptoms of them being overtrained kind of were all set in. So as opposed to having the tough guy approach, why don't we just, I don't know, they're all motivated. Why don't we just back off if you're tired, back off. So, um, when training athletes in the weight room, you must change your programming with them based off of what you're measuring, how they feel, or what you see. So that's something that I've always said. Um, we, as I said, we were measuring rotational power with the gun. And the training session before that, a couple of days prior, all the numbers were down. So, and then when I saw them come in and moving around, I knew the number was going to be down. So, that tells me that there's a problem. Um, part of the whole thing in the past week, oh, my legs are shot, this, they're, the workouts that they are doing, they were 
more sore than they normally are for a longer period of time. That's a sign and symptom that your body is overtrained and you need to shut down. So how they feel is very important. And then what you see. So if I see somebody that's going through a beginner level movement pattern and they're having trouble with it, it's not that they're lazy. It's that their brain and body connection isn't where it needs to be. So that means I need to, you know, change the things that I'm doing. So um, in order to understand the importance of recovery, we have to look at periodization. Have you heard of periodization, Dante? I have heard of periodization, yes. How was it explained to you? You know, sorry. Right, no, let's change this. Dante, do you know what periodization is? Uh, no, I don't. I don't know what periodization is. I've heard it used a lot. I don't okay. know what it is. Okay. Well, basically what we're doing, the most basic fundamentals is we're manipulating volume and intensity. So the amount of exercises that you're doing, the, the total amount of load and how hard you're doing them. So that would be a one rep max is maximal strength and 100% intensity, whereas the off season we're working at 80% high volume, trying to get a pump and get huge. So we are changing, we are, there's benefits to hitting all these various rep ranges and doing all these various things. We, what we are doing is changing those loads and recovering from those loads to be able to do more a higher intensity with a higher weight or a higher total volume to elicit a response or a change rest and repeat and that's how we get people bigger faster and stronger um with all of those things though there there are things built in the download um where we back off on the fourth week but what i'm going to talk about is we end up in nes what i found is we're really only doing max effort taxing things 10 days out of 30 days. So one third of the time we're really getting after it. The other two, two, um, two thirds of the total volume is spent recovering or addressing something else. And that is not somebody who does bench squat deadlift clean three days a week, heavy, multiple times a week. Um, we address, you know, something like a hex deadlift. We're literally doing it every 10 to 12 days. Um, and we are getting numbers that are always, because getting stronger is kind of important to do all these things. We're doing very little of these main lifts. Now we're doing other things around that that are helping that number get better. But as far as the double base lifts, double leg, double arm base lifts that everybody does, it's just too much. So um, if you look at something like Hamden Hall in their off season, we know that on April 21st, we have to be able to, you know, run <clears throat> super fast, jump super high, super far, and athletically compete at a high level. The first thing that we do is how many weeks we got. We got 20 weeks. Uh, it's, we're on week three right now. So we take the th the 20 weeks and then we break it down into blocks. So the first thing when somebody does is you have to acclimate. So you have to get exposed to a new type of training. When you perform and go through a calendar year and a whole football season, you're going from 
super active to absolutely nothing. One of the best ways to get hurt right off the gate is to reacclimate or re-enter training and go too hard with too hard weight. If you ever want to know if a, if a performance facility is garbage, all you need to do is if you watch their training videos and their Instagram story, if they they're squatting four or five hundred pounds and one rep maxing, you know the first three days back from the season or any time in the first whatever how many month block, they're doing it wrong. They're just increasing the risk of injury, shock to the body, and people are that the heavy lifting comes before you're going to compete. It doesn't or right before you compete, not right when you start your training program. To me, it's common sense. It's ass backwards to do a whole bunch of heavy lifting right now. It's counterproductive, but people don't understand. So they're going to go through and we're going to acclimate for a month and prepare to get bigger. So then we're going to enter another block of training. These blocks are four-week blocks where we back off every fourth week. And then we're going to go through a block of getting bigger for six to eight weeks. Then we're going to do a, get, go through a block of... um getting stronger and improving force output and then power and then we taper them off and then they compete and perform at a high level you're not going to perform at a high level if you don't know how or you're not going to someone or following this planned you know structured periodization to allow you to be good at the right time this has been done since the 40s it was originated for the olympics where they would write programs out for years so there are many different versions of this that are higher level. This is the most basic, simple thing, but people, for some reason, meaning they, they're, they're drawing the plan, but they lock everything into stone and they're forcing kids not to do too much volume, too much, and nobody ever recovers and everybody gets hurt. And I have a feeling your experiences are similar, agree or disagree. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I know we would test. It wasn't the first week back from like break or anything, but usually the second week back, we'd test our max to see who'd been working out during break, which I always thought was pretty not chill. Um, just because, you know, we would max then and then we would max like eight weeks later to see the amount of strength we built in like seven weeks. So. Um, and then I've talked about it before, just like not, not doing audibles or, or having things set in stone. Um, you know, my athletic trainer wanted me to get a shot of cortisone so I could back squat, uh, in the off season, which, you know, to me is talked about before, probably, you know, probably too often, but it's just so ridiculous. Cause you could just make a few audibles so you can save yourself a shot of cortisone. And then, you know, uh, be able to to rock and roll in the season and god forbid something goes wrong you use those quarter zone shots then when you actually matters you were a quarterback you were not a professional power lifter so i feel like a quarter zone shot would be better for you know a guy in the olympics trying to squat a house but not necessarily for you um so basically you know for me looking at and sudden change, one of my favorite football phrases from practice when coaches would just throw something random at you, sudden change. We lost Ned's audio. Uh, it is now the night before Christmas, actually, always working. And we are going to pick up our podcast from where we left off. Ned is going to just get right into it. 
So, uh, yeah, we're back. New shirt. So after 20 years, there are some things that I've changed. And the first is that the download week might need to start sooner. Um, it is all dependent on the athlete, what their mood state is and how they feel. If they feel shot, so college training and conditioning, they do work in downloads, but they, and I used to do this, we'll say 15 years ago, but it was do whatever we can to get through the three-week training block and then and without getting hurt and then make it to the download week and recover. And in my own programming, what I saw was there was a whole bunch of injuries going on on the third week of a training cycle towards the end of the third, the third week. And why am I sitting here trying to get, I mean, nothing major, just minor tweaks, like lower back tweaks and things like that. So what I've learned is you back people off when you need to back people off. So I just recently, I work with, as you know, Southern Connecticut State University and in the classic case, sometimes you're your most overtrained kids, I mean, I guess it makes sense, but they're the workers, they're the dogs that never, the, the no days off guys. And they just get into trouble. And this was a kid that he was always fine. How you feeling? It's as we go through this interaction and relationship with coach and athlete, you got to ask a bunch of questions, which I'm going to get into later, but you have to get to know the person. And we talk more and more and I'm like, I don't want to say this guy's kind of a brick, but like he doesn't have some athletes don't have an awareness of they just feel that they always have to put their head down and go and go at a hundred percent. And with him, he just kept doing that. And we had to have the sit down meeting. And I was like, we have to back off. He's like, Oh, it's not a download. I'm like, you're overtrained. I'm like, you don't know it. I've seen it. As an, a coach, a performance coach has to be able to identify when the athlete not all athletes have that feel to know when they're shot so a good strength coach has to be able to know what are things what's changing but yeah you have to back off you know sometimes there's times where you have to do a two-week download i've had that before this kid right now is on a two-week download and he was like and just today he was like he's ending the second week of a download ned i feel great we're back so and because we're able to identify it really soon, all it takes is an extra week and he's going to be back on the flow to peak in week two. And that's him allowing to peak every month is, you know, it's, we're not going to have to worry about it in season, but you got to nip it in the butt. Um, another thing is you got to be when you can't lift heavy all the time. Um, you should try and lift heavy weights, be strong and explosive when you feel it. So. We, we've gotten really good numbers with our, our vertical jump numbers. My average used to be two to three inches um, in a 12-week period if you come three times a week. And now we're getting three to five inch increases in a three-month block. And what it was was we jumped more. You want to jump high, you got to jump more. You want to run fast, you got to run. Those are true, but if you do too much of either of them, you're going to have the reverse effect um so when we're you know if it's a power day and they're not feeling it we're not trying to pr we're not trying to go hard we're going to flip the focus go to single leg at a lower do a lower level progression um do band assisted jumps we do a lot of those those are running rampant in college strength conditioning but i don't think they hit when you were in college not to say that you're old 
Uh, but did you ever do band assisted jumps in college? I don't, I don't believe so. We did a lot of band like partner running stuff, but not jumps. Okay. So it's something that I never used to do. Um, and this was something, the good news about being kind of smart is I can go and watch everybody's stuff on the internet and take pieces and say, how can I apply this? So most people do it wrong, but what I use it for is two different areas of periodization. The first is a download week because we're holding onto the band um, and it's assisting us. What we're able to do is we, it, um, using the band's elasticity, we don't have to put as much load on the body um, to be able to execute the jump. And because we're holding onto the band, it's kind of like you're holding a, a walking stick. So you're completely supported and you can accelerate and decelerate with the band. So I use it in a download as a way to ad address power. And, you know, it's higher neural, but it's lower on the body. And it's, it's a non-weight bearing, not even non-body weight, it's less than body weight. So it's a good way to address power, but not overdo it with the body. And then we'll use it in a power phase and when we're peaking um, to help the athlete, you know, test well. Um, so if you're not feeling it, forcing yourself to try and lift heavy when you're feeling weak is furthering overtraining and causing plateauing and a decrease in performance. So listen to your body is a very important thing. If you are a coach and you're coaching an athlete, you have to learn a whole bunch about the athlete. Some of them have great awareness. Some of them don't. Um, max effort strength work is something that most people, a lot of places, they're lifting heavy every week. They're lifting heavy with the same body part three times a week. And what you see is a whole bunch of plateauing and not really getting stronger. But with all that compounded volume, increasing tightness, losing mobility, and sending yourself into an overtrained state. So, you know, lifting when you're strong, what we've learned is basically one third of the month, 10 out of 30 days is when we try and lift heavy and PR and everything wrapped around that is basically submax recovering, speed of movement, download, reacclimating, cellular work, working more in hypertrophy and not addressing that strength component. So we don't get the plateau. Um, and then the, you got to look at recovery work. Recovery work is something that it's tough because we give athletes a list of things to do on their own. The athletes that are motivated do the things that they're supposed to do. The ones that aren't motivated, um, that you, they lack. And then when you watch them, when we're doing our movement sessions, doing our speed training, you still, you don't see those things getting improved. Then you got to yell at them again. So the easiest way to do it is I program, I program more mobility than I've ever had in this day and age because I don't, I mean, I don't have to worry about anybody not doing it. And because I've learned that you can, you know, if you can only lift heavy 10 out of 30 days, you're going to, you have to do something for the other 20 days. And part of doing part of the other 20 days is doing flexibility, mobility, and tissue work, recovery work to speed up the recovery time to get ready for those phases. So it kind of gets put in that box, but we're doing, I'm doing way more uh, before the workout, during the workout, after the workout and home stuff. And then 
I correspond with my athletes more than I've ever had. And correspondence with your athlete and having a relationship is super important because you have to figure out the pe- you have to get all the pieces of the puzzle. And if they're doing things outside of training, like you have to know about the skill work that they're doing, if what other individual sport coaches they're going to, they might have a mandatory sport that they have to do that they're not telling you if it didn't come out in the schedule or, you know, basketball players, the biggest thing is them going out for three hours and playing pickup games, weight gain kids who are just running the weight off you and getting you overtrained. So, you know, there's 9 million reasons to be really close to your athletes and know everything you possibly can about them. But knowing look being able to look at all the external training volume they might be getting that's important and correspondence in the weight room and then they need to feel comfortable when they're not feeling hot or they're having an off day you have to talk them through it and i'm saying these things i put it on the podcast so the next time i'm in this situation i can say go listen to the podcast and they won't because they're kids uh but I am on a daily basis. I am what I'm going, a lot of what I'm going over in this podcast, I have to talk. I just had a kid who started last week and it's your standard came from the, the classical bench squat, clean deadlift, got to be strong, whatever. And he wanted to just come right in and lift the house. And I was like, he also came from another sports performance facility because nine out of 10 NES athletes come from other sports performance facilities who didn't do a good job. They're the ones that are uh, paying my paycheck. So that's good. But with him, I was like, this is what we're going to do first. We're going to lay the foundation. So you're going to go through these sessions and we're going to lift lightweight. And you're going to tell me a story about your body. So we were deadlifting and it was first time he's been in the building. And I'm to the point now where I'm not making, you know, a, a, he just got a D1 offer. I'm not making a future D1 football player do 135 pound hex deadlift, but I'm not having him do 500. So set by set, because I've been doing this long, I put him on a range. I put him, I had him in a starting weight based off of, I don't know me doing this forever. And we got to the point, I'm like, you're lifting like 340 pounds. Like I just met you 90, 90 minutes ago. It was his first or second session. And he's wanting to go heavier. And I'm like, nope. I said, and before that we did movement. And then I just, I'm like, what I, you know what I'm interested in? You're interested in lifting this heavy weight. This is what I want to know. I want to know why you can't get your toe straight when you get into a forearm to instep position. And, and I want to know when I had you doing your first trial run linear speed uh, build up, you can't pick your feet up more than two inches. Those are the things that I'm interested in. Um, and. I mean, he was whatever, gave me some blank ass stare and I think was pissed off. Don't care. But it's almost so then I had to go. I'm like, all right, well, that was I thought that was pretty good. But then I just went on and I went through and said seven different things that his body was doing based off of one session. I'm like, that's where my head's at, not how much you're deadlifting. Get it? And he was like, yeah. So but you have to be able to talk him through this stuff. And I said, we're laying the foundation. I have to get your core stronger. I have to get your glutes stronger, your hamstring stronger. I'm assessing your mobility. We already know that your groin is tight. Your hip flexors are tight and your glutes are tight. Your calves are overdeveloped and you can't go through your, you have miniature running cycles because you're locked up. Um, 
and that's okay, and we're going to fix that. But your heavy deadlift is not going to get you because he's a fast kid. He's probably like a low four six, and obviously the goal is to get him to touch like a four four nine. And um, in this evaluation, I have to talk and educate him and, and keep him on the rails. If I didn't have these conversations, a kid like him, high probability, he could just not come back. So I try and do extra education with them to um, make sure that whether it's how to acclimate appropriately and laying out long term what we're trying to do or being able to back somebody off. Fantastic stuff. I think that'll probably do it for this episode. Uh, New Year's resolutions. Ned, you have any? I'll go first. My first New Year's resolution. Uh, I am trying to only meet in the month of February. I'm just trying to prove a point. That's it. That's all I'm looking to do this year. Well, you don't remember us doing our, our carb podcast episode no i do i do remember that i i very i very much remember that i might do something where it's like only nes approved carbs um but my my girlfriend uh we we've kind of to to use a great vocab term that i've been trying to to explain and teach i kind of worked myself into a shoot uh and and now i think i have to uh to eat meat for a month and it's national like month of carnivores in january so uh i'm gonna do it in february because it's the shortest month and yeah i i I worked myself into a shoot it is what it is here's the good here's the good news you're gonna lose 15 pounds of fake weight yeah yeah but it's fake though yeah uh, not all of it, but no, only like the first five pounds. That's all water. So the first five are fake. But yeah, you'll lose a little bit. I mean, it's a. I mean, you could let's just treat it as a nutritional reset. Yeah, I'll, I'll, with, I might... with an asterisk like Barry Bonds and yeah, well, little asterisk. You know, I, I think because it's eating, so I think <laughs> drinking celery juice is okay. That 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 was a big bang, um, but. Yeah, do you have any New Year's resolutions you want to share with our our little podcast here? It's going to be all positivity 2024. I don't even know if I'm going to yell at anybody. That's a lie. I mean, well, you wanted it now. I say it. I mean, the the tough thing is I drive into work every day trying to tell myself that I'm not going to scream at kids. (laughs) And I'm like, today's the day. I'm like, I'm too mean. I'm gonna. I'm coming in there all positive, and I come in there clapping. It's gonna be a great day. And then within seven seconds, some slap dick doesn't know the warm up that they've done for fucking five years, and then I fucking rip them a new asshole. And then, and then I'm it's over. So I am gonna make a more conscious effort to be more positive. Positive Ned, 2024. I'll let you know how it go, how the first week goes after the after it happens on the next podcast. Can't with the story, we're going to open with we're going to open with the story about how positive I was going to be, and and then we're going to because I already know it's going to happen. So I'll tell the story of what kid managed to derail me uh, January second, and I'm going to tell the whole story, and then I'm going to ask you if it's justified. 
or if I just have a problem. Gotcha. Do do we think it's going to be an athlete or do it's going to be now only, only athletes? Only athletes. Yep. It's okay. going to be an athlete. Gotcha. Yeah, I'll I'll be looking forward to it. It'll be uh, may, maybe you get a, a couple weeks in. Maybe it's not. Yeah, it'll be the first episode probably more likely. Yeah, than yeah. That. I mean it's gonna yeah. be day two, but yeah. yeah. But hey, that's uh, it's the thought that counts. It's the NES experience.